after years, years of mediocre stories and being pushed aside by Marvel, the X-Men were revitalized by Jonathan Hickman, Pepe Larraz, and R.B. Silva in 2019's House and Powers of X. Ten, or sorry, not ten, I wish it was ten. Two years later, he left the X office behind, leaving the Krakoan era in the hands of other creators. Since then, a bloated line of comic books, a lack of focus, and questionable storytelling is leading us to wonder where things went wrong. Now, Marvel has announced new books that signal the end of the Krakoan era just ahead of top Marvel editor Tom Brevoort's arrival. Is Marvel finally pulling the plug on Krakoa? Uh, do the X-Men need to find somewhere else to live? Like, are we just going back to the mansion now? What the fuck? Hopefully it's early. It's late enough for me to curse for the YouTube algorithm. So I'll say it again. What the fuck is Marvel doing with the X-Men? We're going to answer that question in a moment. We're, we'll get to that. But if you're watching us, you might notice there are two additional pals there we've been joined the pals have been joined and we've been joined by pals indeed i'm very happy to welcome the uh the duo behind the bardic verses matt sumo and pete collins hey hey, hey what's, what's up, up everybody? Fellas? now pete i i, I want to say up front uh when we were promoting this on thursday i called you phil collins Dude. And if we had <laughs> Phil Collins right now, there would be a lot more people watching. But I'll tell you, I'm actually—I'd rather have you. I—I I would rather have you than Phil Collins. You know, I get that quite a bit. You can call me Phil if you think it'll help. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know what? The Bardic Verses is about—it's uh, about characters that uh, that make music, right? Or do do a little music, so. You know, I got yeah. <laughs> a collab with Phil Collins would would help sell books. I'll say that. You two are some of our favorite guys. We had you on for Journey into Quistery. That was so much fun. Uh, yeah. You guys are going to be joining us today to talk about the Bardic Verses, talk about the week in the, in the in the comics industry. Really happy to have you both here. Thanks. Great, Great to, be, to be here. We're going to talk about the Bardic Verses in a few minutes, but. Let's jump in on Krakoa, because this week, Marvel announced two, th three new titles. One of them, well, one package is the fall of the House of X and the rise of the powers of probably 10, uh, like powers of 10 from, mm -hmm. you know, what Hickman had done. Uh, the fall of the House of X is by Jerry Duggan and Lucas Wernick. Rise of the Powers of Ten is by Kieran Gillen and R.B. Silva. Uh, both of these are due out January of 2024, and we we know nothing more until New York Comic Con here in just a couple of weeks. They also announced Resurrection of Magneto by Al Ewing and Luciano Vecchio in January as well. So all that coming in January. Now when... Yeah, go ahead. That's when they typically do their, like, we'll pause the main stories, we'll do, like, a mini event thing. So, I guess there's yeah. tracks. Yeah. Uh, all that 
and then didn't they also announce um Sabretooth War with yeah. Wolverine at the so that and that's around that same yeah. time. Oh, yeah, frame. yeah, yeah. We talked about it a couple yeah. weeks ago, yeah. So all that, right? Plus the Tom Brevoort aspect where we know he's coming in here so, at some point in 2024, and he said he wanted to let them wrap up the events and things that they have coming. My first question right up front is do you think that this is it? Is Marvel telling us, all right, we're 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 exiting stage left here on this Krakoan stuff? Pulling a snaggle puss. Um I think so. I think so. Um I think if I'm Revort, I kind of want to start with an editorial clean slate. Um and I think I mean, because he's 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 been the Avengers guy for since I've read comics, like, yeah. um, <laughs> so I, if I were, if I were like someone, you know, that well-known as an editor, I kind of want to, you know, be in a place where it's, I can kind of start with my creators from the beginning. Um, and I think like, I, I would be okay with like Krakoa still existing. Like, I don't think it's going to be that, but I think like, we'll probably get a refresh of the, graphic design elements of the books, like something to visually distinguish, like this is new. Maybe even like, this is like if in February we get Uncanny X-Men number one, like that's the way to do it too. So I'm okay with that. I think the Krakoa experiment was amazing, but the editorial aspect of it was... I think I saw the sausage being made a little too much behind the scenes. You're, you're answering a question that comes way in advance, bud. I don't know. I don't know your script. <laughs> uh, let, well, let's let's hear from our guests. Yeah. So, Pete and Matt, what's your what's your familiarity? What where are you at with your kind of reading of the X Men over the last couple of decades? Because everybody's got a story with the X Men. So, where are you at with that? And do you think that Marvel is sort of signaling that we're we're done with this era? Yeah, I uh, I've read almost everything. I think from the from the Krakoan age, um, it hooked okay. me right away. Um, especially uh, Pepe Larraz's art, you know that that was awesome for me as an artist to see. You know, I really really dove into that, and that kind of reeled me in. I like the premise, um, you know, and the the world making that was kind of tied to all of it, right? Like there's, there's new alliances, there's new rules, there's new, new everything. Um, so I, I fell into that pretty hard. Um, almost too hard. Cause I think there's been a lot of filler stuff, of course, uh, throughout. Um, but there's also some nice surprises in there. Um, so I've, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in it. Um, I think the, uh, I definitely think they're going to go the route of doing something of a, of a clean slate you know, scorched earth type of thing. Mm. Uh, I figure we probably have four to six months of like the wind down from it, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely see this as like a, <clears throat> a means of trying to get the comic books maybe more aligned with other projects, right? We've got like X-Men 97 around the corner or something, probably, maybe soon, who knows? Hopefully. And hopefully, you know, so I could see them trying to, take this opportunity to get everything more in sync so that the comics and the revitalization of that cartoon and maybe other stuff, uh, you know, movies or whatever, aren't so far apart. Mm. You know, I don't see the Kirkoan age working very well in, you know, 
a cartoon format per se. We'll pull on that more later, but yeah, I definitely think there's something to that. What about you, Matt? Um, I fell out of X-Men like during that time, during the Krakoan age. So I'm very unfamiliar with it, but I think it seems to be the way of Marvel where they're, you know, when, when these characters start popping up in other things that they're going to try to make the comics like move closer to that iteration of the character. So it definitely does feel like they're cleaning up to get ready for the X-Men, you know, again, like Pete said, the cartoon or the X-Men in live action, like just to make it kind of a little bit more um, in sync. Yeah. um, Marco, where are you at with this? Uh, I don't think, at least I hope they don't get rid of Krakoa in this like larger sense that it's no longer on the board Um, because it would be I think similar to Pete, I got reeled in real quick and uh, I loved the just the concepts I got introduced and so I hope those new things don't go away because um, it was a, a radical change and I really appreciate that especially for long-standing comics and yeah if we go back to the the mansion man I'm pulling out like I don't, that's not something I'm, I'm interested to see anymore like we've we've evolved past that point and to go back I think would be taking taking a, a big step back both narratively but also for the legacy of the x-men you really don't care about the the mansion like the like the student dynamic that they sometimes I, do i think you can still have that but uh, it doesn't have to be there like, like we're no longer in upstate new york right we're we're elsewhere we're in the yeah. stars now and that would be too small for the x-men Actually, I feel like that's something that was missing in the Crohn era. Like, you had the young X-Men in, like, New Mutants, but they were kind of shunted off to that one section. I, I think you're right, but I think the problem with that is, like, I think we haven't had a chance to live on Krakoa. Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas we've had decades in the mansion and the school and... You know, we never got to see how cool it is to live on Krakoa. Yeah. Yeah, they would show you glimpses every now and then, yeah. right? Like, uh, you know, Blob at his bar or whatever. But, yeah. like, <laughs> you never really got the fuller sense of it all, you know? And that'd, be cool that. to, that'd be cool to explore in, like, a, a simple slice of life story or yeah. uh, something, like, low low stakes that is just fun. And I would love to have gotten... Um, even the what initially was the the nightcrawler religious stuff, you know, to have fully developed into and applied to more people. Um, you could do classes there. To Tyler's point on like not being able to have that environment, you could replicate that. And you know, we have trainings, but we're on Krakoa. Like that'd be that'd be neat. Bring back yeah. the baseball games. Yeah. <laughs> Bring back the swimsuit special. Like they're on an island. Like. It is, man. The fact that we didn't get one of those at any summer is wild. Like a Green Lagoon blob, like put some tiki uh, recipes in there. I'll write those. I swear I can do it. Um, there was there, – there wasn't much fun, you know? Yeah. It was all stakes. It was all like everyone's yeah. stressed out and trying to survive the next day. And because the, my... I, the, the idea of death didn't really exist because anyone can come back, you only had your heavy hitters constantly. You, they didn't yeah. really create new characters throughout all of this. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's a good point, right? Like they they 
there was often a heavy focus on you know maintaining the peaceful existence of this new world but they never really showed you what that peaceful existence really meant and what it was that's, that's a, an interesting point, point. That is, yeah that, that is a good point matt as somebody that because this is something i've seen a lot and i feel like there are a lot of people who like some of us on the show started with the with the Krakow and stuff and we're like wow this is this is hot this is great gotta stick with it there were a lot of people who didn't like it and didn't want to be a part of it uh felt maybe it was too much you know to dive in if they missed the boat on the initial like house and powers and just never really got going so where were you with that uh kind of like why didn't you jump on with the new hotness at that time and are you a person who's like, you know what? I'm looking forward to when things get back to normal with the X-Men. Uh, yeah, I think I, it might be a hot take, but I prefer them like in upstate New York. Like I think New York is like the the center of the Marvel Universe. And I, I like them to be more um, included in that. Uh, I, I kind of like the school dynamic, you know. Uh, I think they should lean a little bit more into that. I feel like for sure, like, if I'm Revort, like I'm coming in, like let's let's bring them back to you know, back to basics, right? Let's get everything back to where it used to be, and try to tell you know different stories. Like to your guys' point, like more um, kind of slice of life stuff. Like let's get them more involved, uh, you know, back into the direct Marvel universe. I feel so. I don't know. I think for me, like I I prefer them like uh, in upstate New York, like dealing with 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 a school for gifted youngsters and you know uh dealing with stuff a little bit more locally than sort of detached from the greater marvel marvel universe and that's not an uncommon opinion and i and i one of my big questions coming into this conversation was if marvel's choosing to do this because there is a lot in my opinion a lot of bloat among the x line of books and when it started with Hickman and, you know, you had a few other series, you had Marauders, you had, you know, Excalibur or whatever it was, like you had a few other books. It was cool. You could reasonably buy them all and then work your way down if you weren't like really feeling them all. Now it's like, man, there are so many and they have like fringe connections. Like we just did, we just read Uncanny Spider-Man and that's an X-Men book. And it's got Nightcrawler in it. And it's got Spider-Man in it. And Spider-Man villains. And why do I care? You know? And and so I'm wondering if they've sold us on as much of this stuff as they can. And they're seeing the numbers now. And they're saying, okay, time to flip it and go get money from the people that didn't want this era who we're not getting money from anymore. And let's say, uh, let's say we do reset. We go back to our, you know, meat and potatoes and... Um, in New York, and how does that address some of the bloat of the uh, the other comics, like in the line? Because some of those, and, and Atomic Hound in the chat brought it up, you know, he opted out for some series because they felt like they were either subplots or just not relevant. So we, we go back. I think the other thing is to address the number of books that we have and try to find a bit more connective tissue between them. I don't. Yeah, I don't I, think they will. <laughs> they're gonna. They're gonna 
pump books out and they're going to make you buy them. Like, <laughs> that's, that's their job. I can dream, Kale. I think the other, you know, elephant in the room is MCU. Mm, and, yeah. you know, when people think of the X-Men, they think of the, the mansion, they think of, you know, Professor leading a group of young youngsters, and they're going to want youngsters for the movie to have them act longer. So I think there is going to be some synergistic consolidation of the X-Men brand, you know, core, core five in a way, or maybe even create a new core five um, and start in the comics. I think whatever happens here is going to be a pretty good indication of what the MCU is going to look like. That's a fair point. I think Krakoa is a little too big brain for the MCU right now. Damn, Although they love, they love, love CGI that. and they love a CGI fest at the end that they, overwork their vfx artists for um i also just don't i i don't think that's a good start i don't i don't don't, think yeah yeah i agree i don't think that if the mcu is going to introduce the x-men you know in a way that's not hey we've been in hiding just like everybody else who's not been around for some weird reason if they're not going to do that then i think you kind of have to have a start that establishes that they're hated and feared and blah, blah, blah. I don't think Krakoa works as well if you don't already have a very intimate knowledge of the fact that, you know, this is what the mutants experience. I just don't think that there has to be a one-to-one with the comics. I just, I really don't. Reboard's going to change that. I mean, he he did for the Avengers in a way. Right. Right. That's kind of his specialty, I guess. Right. But they really didn't though. Like there's like there's some there are some obvious overlaps. Like we know Nick Fury, we know that some books had similar or the same rosters to the main uh to the MCU, but the main Avengers book, in my mind, never really reflected the MCU very well at all. Um I mean like look at look at Black Widow. Like not really like like often an Avenger once the movies happened. Uh, when previous to that, she wasn't too often an Avenger. Um and like I like then we had that Bendis book with Thanos that came out right when the Avengers came out. Uh what was it? Avengers Assemble? Yeah, yeah but I'm I'm talking about the I'm talking about like the main story of the Avengers. The main story of the Avengers did not materially change because of the MCU. It was weird wasn't as it, hell actually. Wasn't it Hickman? Yeah. It was yeah. very it was a very weird, you know, crazy time. Like yeah, good I stuff, think, great comics, but I think the most that changed was the costumes. Yeah, the costumes definitely changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This this no is a much more. If they're deliberately setting the table, this would be the first time that they've done this for a major franchise to like say, okay, this is going to be our MCU lead in, and we're going to directly alter the comics to match what we want to do for a major franchise like. Well, we we have confirmation for Miss Marvel. Like, I don't know how that is going to play out in the rest of the MCU because she's going to be the the big linchpin. And I don't think they're going to dive too into it in the the next movie. Um, I think once the maybe the show comes back, they'll probably explore a little bit more. But I I would be a little frustrated. I think uh, just thinking this through, if the first iteration of the x-men happen in this series versus like a movie 
I mean, that was my thought, is why make Kamala Khan a mutant in the comics if they weren't setting the table for whatever's coming in the MCU? Yeah. Like, it seems yeah. it seems like a foregone conclusion that they're going to, you know, start putting things back to the status quo so that, you know, they can ease the X-Men into the MCU. Even the 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 thing in the, the Miss Marvel first mutant thing, or, or new mutant, <laughs> yeah. is that I don't know what my mutant power is yet. You know, it's like, all right, we we know what it is. <laughs> You're gonna have hard light power. It's just a matter of when, really. Right. And and that is like the Miss Marvel one is is it's kind of a weird one because she wasn't originally intended to be a mutant. She was created to be a mutant and they didn't allow it because of the you know, the stuff with Fox. So like I'll give you that. It's a stretch. It is, but ah. I'll I'll God. Yeah. I'll gi- I'll, gi- I'll give you that. <laughs> All right, I'll give you Miss Marvel, but the whole thing, like, I don't. I, in my lifetime, there has not been as much excitement about the X Men since I've been reading comics, other than the Krakoan era and the way that 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 stuff started. So to turn away from it, it's been it's it'll be five years in twenty twenty four. I guess that's a good enough amount of time. It's the amount of time that I would have thought they'd give it. But I don't know if I'm ready for them to go back. And it does, it it feels like rubber banding. Hmm. But when you're doing it for an entire group of characters, as massive as the mutants, you really feel it. You get comics like Hellfire Gala, this most recent Hellfire Gala, where so much has to get addressed. Uh, It's busy. It's a hodgepodge of moments piece together for so that you can get to some end outcome, I feel. It, it's probably what they need to do. I just don't know if I'm ready. But I want to shift this conversation a little bit because I, I, am, I am frustrated about something. I'm frustrated because I think Marvel fumbled the X-Men bag. I think that Marvel, in some ways, their lack of oversight and saying, no, you guys have to do whatever Hickman's plan is, was a mistake. I think letting the other creators and the X the X group, and I really want to hear from Pete and Matt on this because this is a this is a creator issue big time. I think that Marvel should have said, you have to do what it is that Hickman has laid out. This is what we paid for. This is what we wanted. And we're not going to expand and get greedy because I do believe Marvel got greedy and make so many ancillary titles. They had a magic book. They had a weird pirate book. They had a book about the youngsters. They had the main X-Men book. And I'm probably missing like one. But that was the line. And that made sense. There are so many books. People are confused. I don't know where to go if I want to follow certain characters anymore. It's unruly. And I think that Marvel's decision-making and the constant events that, to be fair, the creators are not responsible for the, the, the needing to have an event every five months, but the constant events that just feel ancillary. Letting creators do basically fan fiction. 
with Sinister. It wore us out. I fucking love the X-Men. It wore me out. I'm X'd out. Huh? So, nice. thank you. So, uh, <laughs> do you guys, do you guys, where do you guys land on? Should editorial have, have sort of enforced sticking to the guns? Because for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Hickman left because the creators wanted to stay in the, in the sandbox that they were in, whereas Hickman wanted to move things forward. So he said, okay, I got gods to do. I got the ultimate universe to revive. I got a jet. And that's what happened. So now that I've said all those things, you guys can respond to that. Uh, I think that um, it, to your point, it's definitely a lack of oversight, right? You know, Hickman was brought on to do a job. I'm sure he outlined what his goals were very thoroughly. He seems like the type to do that. Um, and I'm sure that there was a commitment to see those goals through. And it seems like there was a, uh, you know, some corporate decision to say, wait, hold, pause. We're going to go this direction now. And um, what could have been, you know, Hickman could be could have been coming to something, something of a similar end on his own over the course of the next few years, maybe, you know, feed us into that, really put a focus. I, I think I think the Krakoan age has really put a focus on characters that honestly I wouldn't have cared about before. Mm, right. Yeah. Like um, like what's that character? Uh is it Tempo? Right. I did didn't care about Tempo. Um, the Marauders. Marauders was my one of my favorite books throughout all of this and it was full of characters that i didn't care about i don't care about uh orphan uh was it orphan and nanny don't really oh care right about right yeah so much but they were interesting and i could totally see that hickman was probably leading to some to some level where it stopped and then could get that that uh you know that spit shine and, and changing the status quo on his own but they decided to move it along faster for some reason. And uh, from a creator standpoint, if that is the case, that kind of sucks, right? Like as readers, as fans, you know, we're never going to see the the fullest picture here. And from a creator standpoint, like you're, you, you come on, you dedicate yourself to something that has, you know, all of these agreements in place and then to take a pivot like that's that's not great right Ooh, yeah right uh, my thought i have two thoughts like one as like coming from like the corporate side i feel like marvel was like oh these books are doing gangbusters so let's just reach out to every creator on the planet and go hey do you have an x-men pitch that fits in this <laughs> universe like let's do it right like right. you know as marvel like marvel's gonna follow the money right so they're if this is doing well, like, well, why not do more? Uh, as a creator, I feel events in general, like, need to be events, right? Like, I feel like it needs to be, like, once a year, if that, like, some big thing happens. Um, and you could do the tie-ins, you could do all that stuff, but have it be once a year. If it's not once a year, then it's, like, that's not an event to me. That's just, like, oh, if I wait a little bit, like, there's going to be a thousand tie-ins to this one thing. Like, that's, it's a lot. That's a, a lot of burden to put on a reader where I got to go to the, the shop every single week to make sure I'm picking up a book that directly ties into this big event with my favorite characters in it. Like, that's, it's a lot, dude. And I get why they do it, but you know once a year at most is 
that that should be your benchmark and it should be one not an event per line it should be one event that ties into everything mm. i get that's that's really difficult as a creator but too much that's to overall point, to your point i feel like it, it dilutes the value right because yeah I, i'm i doesn't feel like an event and these are supposed to be these momentous occasions you know things are going to change and come out of this and you know you start at the end you come out at the end and say well really what happened probably nothing of value well and that's been the thing with sins of sinister too is you know each each year we've hit this hellfire gala and the x-men team has changed to what end mm -hmm. and so with sins of sinister we've learned that we can't trust you know the people in charge well now we have the hellfire gala and all that's gone anyway it doesn't matter we can't trust the people in charge. Well, the people in charge aren't in charge anymore, so uh, everybody's scattered to the wind. So what what was the point of all that? Right. I, I, I like the point that, you know, there is a level of, like, the creators having to come in and pick up the ball from Hickman. That's an unfortunate situation, too. And I'm sure that, you know... They're, they're, I, I don't imagine that anyone is doing less than their best. There's no reason why anybody would come and give less than what you know what they can. But no one but Hickman started this, and and Pepe Larraz and Marta Gracia, like they're the ones that started everything. And now everybody, even the look of the books, you know, like artists had to come in and emulate a look that they didn't create. Even the the info pages, like there are people having to do info pages that like. It seems forced, you know? It's completely forced. Yeah. Like, that's a very Hickman thing. The guy does graphic design. It's his passion, like, literally. Um, so, yeah, that that was – I would have been okay with people not having to do that. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the resurrection of Magneto really quick because uh, they are bringing Magneto back. He what? died – yeah, big shock. He died last year uh, during the AXC Judgment Day event, uh, which was an X-Men event. Um, and it was a really cool death, awesome death. It's one of those deaths where, like, you should see it for yourself. Um, but they're bringing him back. And his death was very significant because he's not supposed to be able to get resurrected. That was his him and Storm's whole deal was they got rid of their resurrection protocol for themselves um and he's one of the triumvirate which is split moira magneto and xavier moira's evil uh magneto's dead xavier's walking around in a desert with a beard they're supposed to be split now they're bringing magneto back into the fold it feels like table setting more than it does necessarily feel like organic storytelling magneto's yeah, one of those I... guys yeah okay go ahead no, I, I was just gonna say, yeah, I totally agree with that. It, it definitely feels like table setting, and it feels like, it feels like, it's not just the the resurrection of Magneto the character, but maybe, maybe there's something more to that. Maybe they're going with the resurrection of Magneto, the, you know, the the classical uh, persona, right, where he's coming to be the champion of his people, and, you know, we're gonna see that whole a whole swell of mutants kind of support him post mm. this story you know 
But the, they're, the, the excuse is, oh, man, we only have this really old backup. It's like when you get a new iPhone and you forget to back up your old yeah. one. It's like, oh, man, I got all these old yeah, text uh-huh. messages. That, that'd be cool, though, because then let's say uh, the there is the fall of Krakoa. Maybe there's now a split between Xavier and Magneto. Like a, a bigger rift gets created. Now you have these two opposing forces, and then somehow Apocalypse comes out of the mix because my boy – needs to come back at some point uh you get you get your three your three reigning i guess ideologies yeah yeah 33.3 percent chance of winning that one <laughs> is that steiner math <laughs> yeah a little bit of it uh i mean i think does that not sound like a resetting of the status quo that this that magneto's coming back somewhere else so they're like oops we gotta we got to bring him back because, you know, people, a new batch of people are going to be introduced to him elsewhere. So let's make sure he's in the comics. So people are like, hey, I like this guy. He has a cool helmet. Like, where can I see other stories with him in it? <laughs> and like, also, yeah, if, he... if you're doing the MCU and you're starting from scratch, Magneto's the villain, you know, even though he's not really a villain anymore. I would say he's probably the most, honestly, he's my, my one of my favorite X-Men. Um but he's the villain. And even the, the X-Men 97 show, like he's the leader of the X-Men in that coming season coming up. So he's an integral part of the stuff they're doing. So, yeah. Let's hit a couple of comments. Uh, Kingdom of Nerds, hello and welcome, says X-Men need a reboot, just one book, core team, new mutants with younger mutants, cable leading X-Force. Let mutants be evil again. Interesting. Um, I think some, I definitely think now at this point, it feels as though something was lost by saying, okay, all the mutants are aligned. Um, there are classic X Men foes who are friends now. Um, and so we haven't been able to really tell stories with those. I think that the villain aspect of the Krakoan era, era, excuse me, has been a little bit weaker. Outside of Nimrod, what villains do you really like? The uh, the the horticulture uh, grannies. I, I do the like ki- them. the kaiju. <laughs> the kaiju <Yeah>. editorial. Uh, <laughs> editorial. <laughs> but like with the villains kind of getting uh, uh, not the biggest spotlight in this. I also think like Wolverine kind of got the the short end of the stick in this whole Krakoa thing. Like, yeah, he's had his own book, but he's kind of been separate from everything. Oh, so separate. You know? Um, and again, MCU, you need Wolverine. So maybe that refocuses him as being part of the X-Men more. Like, he's been, he's hanging out with Ghost Rider right now, which is a fantastic book. I will I will harp the praises of that book whenever. Uh, but yeah, I think that there's another, another guy that kind of didn't really thrive in Krakoa. Besides the, you know, being in a in a in a, in a, in a threesome with Gene and Cyclops constantly on the moon, yeah. So obviously, but I think that was always going to be the case. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Hickman laid that out. You know, the, agreed. The, yeah, the, the same as uh, Apocalypse. You know, their whole thing was we've been fighting for this thing for so long, and we're warriors. What can we do in paradise? So it makes sense to me that. Wolverine would be off doing his own thing. Same as Apocalypse. We haven't seen him in, you know, at this point, years. And, you know, he may be coming back. 
Give me, I want, I want Big Pop A again. That's it. Love that guy. I want them before Krakoa was done. I want them to put out an audio file of what his Krakoa name <laughs> should sound like. It's that weird Krakoa A. Like I, I, I can't read yeah. that, and I want to know what it sounds like. You know what? I'm like gonna go a, to the panel and ask that question. A Pokemon cry from the original <laughs> yes. game. Yes, yes. <laughs> it just, it's, it's missing. It's missing nose cry. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I, I agree. I need to hear that now. By the way. We are going to be doing a draft later if we hit the likes goal, which we're setting at 25. So we need to jack those likes up. We have six people on this panel. At the end of this show, you guys get us to the likes goal. We are going to have one hell of a draft because we've never had one with this many people. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Get those likes up. Let's do this. Um, Dan Trudeau says, I think the MCU X-Men should premiere without Wolverine. Make him showing up for the first time in event. Dan, I love you. Ooh. You're the truth. I cannot disagree with that more. I can't <laughs> imagine that you don't make your first movie with your most popular character. I'm sorry. I, I how yeah. how can you not have Wolverine? Yeah. What are they? What are they going to do? Leave with Cyclops? Like whoa, 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 hey, hey. Cyclops hey, is hey, going to no, be whoa. there. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, number one Cyclops fan right here. But what? I, like, look. He was not cool. <laughs> like, not the guy. The fact Wolverine. that he's not cool is cool, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. He does shaking his head because you know that that Cyclops is cool, right? Uh, I, I have a lot of thoughts on oh Cyclops. <laughs> I got a Cyclops shirt on right now. Who's the number one Cyclops? Summers. <laughs> what? Not even the best Summers. Oh, we're done professionally. <laughs> I can't Alex believe Summers. that. His brother is way better. What? Oh, hell, hell yeah, dude! Okay, right. better, better costume. Listen, I like, I I like it. I'll, say it. I'll say it. Holds the better chicks too. What? I'm not oh, gonna get into that oh, part. Man. He's <laughs> going out with a demon right now. Are you kidding me? Please. No. Havoc is just like I can fix her constantly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I want to make a mutant feel relatable. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah! New new Havoc number one fan right now. Uh, C.W. Gordon says Corsair's number one. No, that dude, <laughs> that dude left his children to go be in space. What a dead. Love he it. did the Love right it. thing. King shit. Wow. King shit. <laughs> uh, isn't this is descending to madness? Yes, it is. That's the name of this podcast. Uh, isn't MCU X-Men at least a few years off anyway? By that time, I'm sure the comics would need to be realigned. Um, re uh, re realigned. But that's the thing. Maybe. Maybe realignment isn't necessary. Maybe because we know that, yes, there is a slight bump when the movies come out. People go buy the books for like a month or two, but it doesn't translate into a revolution of sales. I don't think people are going to come to the books and go, whoa, the mutants are on an island. I'm out of here. You know, I don't think that's so insane that it's going to affect the sales of the books once the MCU comes out. I don't think it's a necessary change for the movies. I think if you feel creatively, if they feel that creatively they told the story, great. But if it's for the synergy, I don't think it's necessary. You know, I think, to, you know, Tyler said at the beginning, right, that, um, you know, that it, it's it's all about, like, uh, kind of like paving the way into into future projects and, 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 and I think, I think that kind of makes sense. Right. So, 
they start now. They've got a couple of years before any MCU X stuff kind of really trickles out, you know? And then by the time that comes around, they've, they've laid the foundation of you're going to see these characters, the big players. Oh, go buy those trades. You know, if you're interested, go buy those trades that came out two years ago, you know, not the stuff that came out in the eighties. Maybe that's a little too inaccessible. It's a little, you know, you're honing your focus in maybe more on, you know, the recent past, you know, and connecting people to that to move forward rather than 1964 X-Men. Yeah. Or, or Claremont's run, which, which everyone loves, but like the person yeah. getting into comics for the first time is gonna be like, Whoa, what are all these word balloons? Yeah. <laughs> Why is it telling me to go back to this issue? Why yeah. is it telling me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's a little hard to get into if you're, if you're new to it. And I, and I, I would hope that what James Gunn is doing for DC, like, and, and like verbally tying in books that are that the, the sales data is immediately like visible. Like he just uh, talked about Superman for all seasons, I think being a big influence for his Superman stuff. I bet you that book's hard to find now. Uh, like Supergirl yeah. was out of print because of him. They would be dumb to not do something similar, but I also think they can be dumb. So <laughs> It's not like they have a history of being smart. <laughs> I, I agreed. Yeah. Got to get the actors on board being like, catch them in this candid pictures reading, you know, all of a sudden, oh, I'm reading, you know, this era of X-Men. Yeah. And that, like, that worked for uh, Loki and, and Tom Hiddleston. That's yeah. right, yeah. Yep. Or when uh, 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 Benedict Cumberbatch was at a comic shop, he had pictures there for yeah. Doctor Strange. That was yeah. that one that, um, is, was it JHU? I think so, yeah. It yeah, was, it was New York City Hamlet, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's always going to work, and I think that's always going to play well with people that, you know, want to know that these actors care about the characters on some level, um, whether it is a photo op like Marco implied or or legitimate. Um, I think that that's great. I feel like House and Powers has been that modern book that you can hand to a person who's interested in the X-Men and say, okay, start here. Uh, whether that is a good starting point in four years or five years when the X books come out or when the X movies come out rather, um, because we are years out still is house and power still a good place to start. Probably not. But I think for most comics, you could make that argument of in five years, we need a new starting point, you know? Um, and I don't know if that's healthy for the industry, but that's, that's where we're at. And that's a completely different conversation. I think House and Powers is a good starting point for the X-Men if you've read comics before. I think it is a hard starting point if you haven't read comics before. Oh, um, just because of the way the story is told. It's non-linear. Um, and I think for somebody new to the medium, it's a little tricky. I think if it was just like, hey, here's Professor X with five mutants, you know, and they're fighting bad guys. Like, it's a lot. Like, I think it's it's dumbed down, but if if you're trying to get... And I don't think they are. But if you're trying to get new readers that are, you know, enjoying something from like TV, film, something like that, and into comics, I think it has to be something super linear and straightforward. Introductory. Yeah. For who? Well, for new what readers in his example. Yeah, like, poten potential new readers. Yeah, the 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 needs the ghost. quotation marks. Yeah. <laughs> I, like how many more comics did a black Nick Fury sell? That that's what I'm getting at. Like I don't, I just don't think that that 
I just I don't know. I don't think it matters, but I, I don't know that it sold more. But uh, I didn't know that he wasn't until I think you guys told me on the show that 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 Nick Fury isn't the Nick Fury. Yeah, like yeah. Um, I, I'd also argue Nick Fury is a bad example because it's Nick Fury. <laughs> any example, like I don't even. Th- I think you could name your. You could take your pick. Iron Man um, comics got better once Iron Man became a movie star they got better they got more and better uh like th- th- there was iron man was kind of like b-list for the movies uh there was one more there was one more uh book announcement before we close out this segment uh it's called the original x-men and this one we actually have a little bit more information about um it's by christos gage who's a name I'm very happy to see. I haven't seen Gage's name in a while. Uh, with art by Greg Land. Let's hold our booze. Um, <laughs> and it's... I, I think this premise is, is actually awesome. Um, but it does seem like it's going to tie into potentially what they have coming. Um, so Gage said, essentially the original X-Men are plucked from their era by an older Jean Grey, a.k.a. the Phoenix from a different timeline. This is a middle-aged gene who wasn't replaced by the Phoenix Force. Instead, she found a way to coexist peacefully with it. But now she's become aware of a deadly danger on another Earth in the multiverse. Only the original X-Men can solve it. Why? Because the problem is them. I'm going to stop reading the quotation and just explain what it is. There's a world where the original X-Men decide that they're the ones who can solve the problems of Earth. And so they they dominate Earth. And they get so good at it that they plan to go and dominate other Earths, save them, quote in quotes. Um, and this version of the Phoenix is going to send the original five to meet them because this particular original five is the same one that Bendis sent to the future to meet their to to, to meet their future versions from ten years ago. I I like how they pick the most complicated way to do a story with the original five. <laughs> Cool, I think though. they, th- yeah, I think it's a really interesting concept because if you can get past the crazy connections, it does make a lot of sense because that that OG5 from Bendis, they remember that they met themselves. So they're the only ones who know how they become later on. Hmm. Wasn't this the first issue of Jean Grey? It was very similar to this. Yeah. It has and, a, that one, and that one, Jean, is the problem herself. Yeah. Right. They're playing on that idea, though. G yeah, to... needs to stop messing with, with timelines. I'm and so tired of that hoe. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Come on. Um, I, the problem is getting over these shenanigans, and I can't do it. You started explaining it, and I tapped out. I said, "Listen, I'm sorry. This is too much." I know. I also think the original X Men can't work in in modern comics as the X Men anymore. It's just too white. Like it's not a, a a fair representation of reality. Like so much so that they they turned Iceman gay because they were like, oh, well, okay, well, we want these guys to be the focus, but we need some kind of diversity here. I, I don't I don't know about all that. I just know that uh, this they keep going back to these characters, um, and I don't, I don't, I personally don't get the appeal. Like, I love the, these five. I don't get the appeal of seeing them in 
seeing the past versions over yep. and over again. I'm not, I don't get it. And, and and how does that fit into the bigger narrative of everything they're doing right now? Right. You've got, you've got alternate reality, future past versions meeting. Where does that fit in with the resurrection of Magneto and, you know, the, the fall of the, of the house of X and, and all that, like, how does that, right. to me, it, it seems like, it seems like an oddball. Right. It, like, um, it's 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 just odd. It's branded it's odd. on the, the the cover that they gave is branded with the X Men 60th anniversary logo on it. So is it yeah. is it more just a celebration miniseries? It's a rather one shot. than oh, it's a one shot. Okay, then yeah, this just oh. this oh, screams so then like, it's, oh, yeah. it's ultimately like not um, it's inconsequential. I hate to say that, but like it's ultimately not going to affect anything outside of itself. So it's just if it's a one and done, like it is what it is. Like it's See, stand on its own. They're promising that it will have major implications, but then, but it's like, can we take that seriously? You know, yeah, that's a, a solicit. How often does something like that drop? Right, it seems yeah. weird to do that with a one shot too, like a one shot that's yeah. gonna yeah. reverberate through the Marvel universe. I don't know about that. Although, yeah. although I do want to see how Greg Land draws original Beast. That's gonna be horrifying. I can't wait. Yeah, it's awful. No, I, he's <laughs> probably got some, you know, beefcake porn in there somewhere that he can yeah. trace. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> Coming from the artist, I'll, I'll trust you on that one. <laughs> uh, Trace, uh, yeah. Trace, that's what I'm doing. Uh-huh. So, ultimately, we don't know, because I still hold out some kind of hope that this is Marvel tugging our leg again. And... You know, we're exiting the House of X era and entering the Powers of Ten era because the book is called Rise of the Powers of Ten. So maybe that's what's happening. Um, but I think it's more likely that they're rebooting the whole thing. Um, and I am not happy about it, but financially, business-wise, I get it. I'm sure we'll talk about this again and we'll reflect on the whole Krakoan story once it's over. Right now... My feeling is that it is a uh, it is a land of missed opportunity. Agreed. All right. Enough X talk. No more X Men today. X-Men? Thank God. One Piece now. It's a, it's a good... Whoa. No, <laughs> Scarlet, not One Piece. Scarlet Witch impression. The Netflix show. The Netflix show, maybe, because it's got, like, what? I don't know, seven episodes, some normal amount. Someone told me last night that there are over 1,000 episodes of One Piece. Like, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. Really? Of the live, of the uh, anime. Yeah, That's insane. I love it all. Well, the manga itself is, like, the longest-running manga in the world. Wow. Like Marco, what did you start here? This is comic books, okay? Yeah, exactly. And we got some <laughs> good comics to talk about. We got... Some good comic creators to talk to. We got the Bardic Verses, baby. So Pete Collins and Matt Sumo, we talked about the Bardic Verses a little bit earlier, but we didn't dive in. I want to dive in. So I remember when you guys were first promoting this book, and I'm like, well, what is this? What's the Bardic Verses? And I think a lot of people probably had a similar thought. Like, okay, well, what, what is this about? Um, and I got to see some of it at that time. And I was like, oh, okay. It's first of all, it's super fun looking. 
and that was one of the things that I was most drawn to. Um, just like the visual, the visual style of it. Um, and I want to talk first about how you developed and designed how the book had to look. So Matt, what was, I, I guess I don't know how you guys developed it. Was it a completely joint collaboration? Matt, did you come with the sort of idea and then Pete, you informed it. How did you guys work together on bringing this to life? Um, this is like around, this is like, uh, beginning of COVID. Like I think around the time Witcher season one was, was on or on, or had debuted on Netflix. So we really, um, I really was drawn to the bard character, uh, Jasker, um, and Pete and I were just kind of spitballing ideas. We were like working on one project that kind of, um, died out, unfortunately, uh, and we were just talking about this bard character and how interesting it would be to to do a comic like from a bard's perspective because they're like a you know a storyteller at their core. Um, and we just you know started spitballing. We were talking about you know how if they if they're all if they're also a musician, um, how would it how would we reflect like how they they sing or tell their stories in a visual form. And this is where we came up with the different art styles that Pete does in the book, which are also like homages to um, creators that we love. So we do like a Frank Miller homage, a Bill Watterson homage, um, Rob Liefeld. Uh, we do a Disney homage and a Ryan Otley homage in the book, just, just to show like the different types of, um, the different types of music he would use or different storytelling techniques he would use to reflect that in the art. Um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. So Pete, like Pete's kind of like a Swiss army knife of an artist. Like he can uh, adapt to the different styles in the book. Like you, there's one main style. So in between the, the stories that the interstitials are all done in like our main style. And then the stories themselves are, drawn in the different styles of the different creators that were homaging all done by pete um i think people the people that have read the book are always like it's insane to me that this is all the same person because they look so completely different and that's a testament to pete's talent like pete uh is just like a an art master like a, a wizard i don't know how he does it um i i I, I'm in awe of it. Like he does, and his stuff has only gotten better as we've gone on. But yeah, just the the product of this was just spitballing back and forth about this character. Um, you know, I'm a storyteller, obviously, so I was immediately drawn to um, the bard and, and kind of telling his story, and then using those different art styles to to tie the book together, and you know, po kind of poke fun at comics in general and, and the different creators that we've homaged. And to tell a fun story about a bard trying to escape the legacy of uh, his family. That's so cool. What does what does Bill Watterson art sound like? Um, well, it sounds like a lot of uh, a lot of crunching snow. Um, okay. A lot of um, uh, a lot of rustling leaves. That sort of thing. It's when you see the page, it'll, it'll yeah, make yeah, yeah. Sense. <laughs> the fact I, that I you even picture, had an answer is crazy. I could picture yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, big Calvin yeah. and Hobbes fan. I, I can't uh, too, and I've never read Calvin and Hobbes. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah th- that and and that as a as a premise um it it allows you to do so many things and go so many places which i really love um pete how have you enjoyed working on this and being able to express yourself and flex all those kinds of different um you know artistic muscles um i uh, I, I can't say enough how much i loved it um you know it's uh early on you know i i started to draw the book you know from page one two three consecutively through and you know having to jump and shift into different art styles for these different homages you know that kind of that took a toll not took a toll well maybe a little bit i learned some things that were good and i learned some things that were bad right as i'm trying to emulate other art styles it, it impacted how i was doing like the the interludes between these sections mm. so so much so that i went back and redid all the first five pages entirely um because i had changed my art style as a result of all that um so so there's definitely a challenge to it um um but it is fun it's a fun challenge you know to say like is is that hand life failing enough you know it's kind of uh, <laughs> does that foot look too good you know there's a lot of that um a lot of a lot of quality control in it um do you you know oh sorry uh do, do you uh have to prepare before you switch into that style like, do you have to read something before to get like the feel and then go ahead and execute yeah yeah a little bit i mean um in in a lot of cases i read a lot of books so it's um you know it's a lot of rereading for me in some cases um you know so like when we did the um like the frank miller homage you know that was that was sin city that was dark knight returns um you know just diving into there like you know how how does he get those scrunchy lines on the on the face and you know where does he use his straight lines versus his round lines? And how does he play off of shadows in, um, in different scenarios? Um, and just, you know, practicing it a lot. Um, you know, little quick sketches, uh, little, um, you know, trying to take, take a picture and draw it the same way. Okay, that's how he did that. Get that muscle memory started. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Uh, reference you know reference diving you know getting into my collection like okay give me all my x-force comics yeah um um which by the way i had like 50 number ones i don't know if they're worth anything what (laughs) nice um and uh all the different colors but it's yeah yeah, all the colors i got the gold the purple the whatever um but uh but what's awesome too is that you know the way uh the way matt writes a script is is an artist's dream you know, um, I've seen different scripts where, you know, sample scripts from other people where it's like, you know, very concise directives. You know, this panel looks like this. And it's like, okay, you're not leaving a lot there for an artist to, you know, get their visualization out. And, you know, Matt, um, Matt's very uh, concise to what needs to be concise, but flexible enough to make sure that I'm getting, you know, my stuff out there too. Um, and there's, there's been plenty of times where I'll, you know, shoot him a picture of a panel and say, Hey, how's that look? And he's like, I trust you. It looks good. And it's like, all right, awesome. And, uh, you know, but, uh, but yeah, and it's, 
there's a lot of that back and forth too throughout the process. You know, I send snapshots of different things and you know that, get the thumbs up. How how do you uh, I guess like how do you tend to know where to step back and where to kind of relinquish that control mat on on those scripts? Because I can imagine there's there are moments where you really have an idea in your head and you know you kind of want to put pen to paper and, and see it the way that you have. But then to your point, Pete, right? Like having that flexibility is really helpful. So where where do you uh, find you jump in more than you pull out? Um, I think it's more so like when I see a thumbnail or I'm like, hey, like that looks good, but like I, I really need it to be like this person is here, that person is there uh, just for the, the setup of the panel. Like I really try to, to let artists do their thing because, you know, that's what they do the heavy lifting, right? So uh, I like to be like, hey, like this is where this page needs to go. Here's where I kind of need people to be. Like, you're free to do what you want, angle wise or whatever. Um, and then as we go, you know, I'll look at the thumb- thumbnails and make changes from there. But again, like I trust Pete. Like we've worked um, together for a, a while now, where I, I'm just like, do whatever you do. And then if there's something that drastic that I need to be changed, we'll talk about it after the fact. Um, but for the most part, it's it's you know. I kind of have like a loose idea of what I want to happen. And then I trust him to do his thing. So you know, there's a, I would say too, that there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of flexibility with backgrounds. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that I saw with the Bardic versus where it was, you know, our main characters in a, in a tavern. So there's a lot of characters all around the place. And it's like, you know, if you, if you look at um, all of those panels between, between his song chapters if you will there's little micro stories happening in the background right and um and that was just simply for the fact that okay this panel our main character is doing abc but in the background i have to have something so i would continue little segments with background characters across a couple of panels so yeah so I just looked this up the when you guys talked about this originally on the Journey to Quistery episode three, which I shared in the chat. Um, that was just, that was October twenty twenty one. That was so fun, by the way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of work, but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it, it's what almost two years at this point. Um. Since then. Yeah. Uh, and like since then, like the D and D movie has come out where you know Chris Pine was a bard. You know. Uh, critical role is huge. The, you know, Baldur's Gate, you know, lighting people's pants on fire. So this almost fantasy setting has only gotten more popular. So this feels like a, a, like a good time for this, you know, relaunch to, to kind of happen at the same time. Speaking of that, um, the Bardic Verses is actually being released in comic shops in February through Band of Bards, which I can't even, I'm dying to hear about that collaboration because the fact that you guys are doing the Bardic Versus and there's a publisher called Band of Bards, I was like, wait, did they did they create their own publishing company? Like, are they going, they're going big time, huh? But no, this is a, this is a partnership. So I thought that was super cool. Um, so you guys are bringing the, bringing the series to LCSs in February. Uh, You'll be in previews, which is exciting. Listeners who want to get access to this book, you guys will be able to go 
and grab it. Just like you grab X-Men books. The Bardic Versus will be right there. That has to be so cool for you guys. Uh, it is very cool. And and really quick, like it is very we're not um we're not unaware of how on the nose it is that the Bardic Versus is being published a band of bards. Like it just seemed like a no brainer, right? Yeah. Like uh my my dream is to have Gary, the little yellow goblin from the book, be like the band of bards mascot, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, to Tyler's point, like we did that journey in Inquisitory in 2021, like we've been working on this uh, sort of partnership with band of bards for a little bit now. I think we locked it up in what pete like january i think um and then their their publishing schedule is such where they release all their releases come out on the last wednesday of every month so they're booked so far in advance Mm. like they when we signed with them you know they were like hey uh this like we're so booked this isn't going to come out until february so we sat on this from january of this year up until now when we finally announced it and now we we knew then that this like the the new version of the book is not going to be in stores until february which is good it gives us kind of a long lead time to to go back and you know reformat the book like so this this version of the book is going to be completely different um than the uh kickstarter version of the book. we have brand new cover um we kind of rejiggered a lot of the um the interior stuff, a lot of the back matter. Um, Pete went back and did some touch-ups to the art, the interior art of the book. So it, I, we wanted to make it special for people uh, that supported the Kickstarter because they'll have one version of the book, and now you know in February they can go back and get the a better a better version of the book. That's sick. I love that. You need a, a a little Gary cutout to be able to send out like one of those fathead things and just send them out to the to the shops, man. Because that'd be cool. That's a good oh, idea. Man, that is a good idea. That is a good idea. Marco does PR. It's true. Hire well, me. Hire me. Marketing. You wouldn't you wouldn't know no, it for yeah. this podcast, but he does right. do it. <laughs> yeah. We've never benefited. Um, I wanna I wanna play a quick game. I wanna play a quick game. So we're talking we're talking about the Bardic verses. We're talking about D and D. What are we? Let's 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 cast ourselves. If in a in a D and D world, what role does each of us play? And we there can be no overlap. I already know mine off the top. Same. Yeah. If you're hot out the gate, go for it. I'm I'm a multi class barbarian fighter combo. Uh, mostly because I don't really think about things. I just do it. Uh, and I feel like that's Barb. It's just like, all right, just just go for it. And then if I get killed because I ran in uh, just so I can get my multi-attacks in, oops. Like, whenever I play d and I'm, I'm never the first. I'm always the first. It's like, all right, there's a door. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to open the door, you know? Yeah, it's me too. Yeah. <laughs> Jenkins. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Marco, you said you were hot. Yeah, I'm, uh, I have a campaign that we're doing at our office, actually, at the moment, and I am in... Uh, orcish bard um, yeah but I, but my my shtick is that i'm uh cheap and so if you want to hear my song i need coin man yeah I, I don't play this stuff for free and then you know like i'll do spells and whatnot yeah you but know. who's your what class or what you know who's your character who are you that that was me 
I don't have any more details than that. I'm not I'm not well versed in D and D. That's all I that's all I do when I play. And they tell me, Marco, you did this thing. I'm like, all right, cool. I rolled. <laughs> um, I would be. I mean, I played World of Warcraft for a decade. I was a paladin for every single day of that decade. That's still tracks. I would be a paladin. Yeah. I think you'd be an Oath of Vengeance paladin too. Yes, like I feel some, that, someone, and then also yeah. would struggle. I would struggle with my faith because my <laughs> oath would make me do dark things. Absolutely, that would be my character. Okay. Yeah, not oath breaker. You seem like somebody who's like, all right, I need vengeance. Somebody wronged yeah. me or wronged my god, and I'm I'm out for for revenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Maybe go. Maybe have a dark arc. You know, turn there bad. A little yeah. Arthas in the mix. You know, stuff like that. It'd be very fun. I would be a. Uh, <clears throat> I think I would be a Goliath, uh, barbarian, bard, dual class, oh, or a bard or a barbarian, if you will. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh that's good. And uh, <laughs> where I, uh, 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 I I smash my enemies with music. Just you could a, hit just them a, over the head with a guitar, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> or 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 with some or with some badass rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call people you slap nuts. <laughs> you got any uh, rhymes? You want to? You want to? No. You want to hit us? Y- yes. No. Spit a couple no. of bars. Uh, we need it. Streets needed, Pete. We need it now. Not at all. Not at all. You're live I, uh, on the comics pals. Yeah, yeah. I, I regretted it as soon as I said it, guys. He's uh, like, my name's Pete, and I want to say, uh, I've been playing Baldur's Gate three. Uh, oh, dude, so good. I'm not oh, really yeah. like a D and D guy. Uh, Pete's kind of my Sherpa into D and D, so he was kind of informing what we wanted to do with the character and uh we built like character sheets for the characters in, in bardic verses uh so in Baldur's gate i am playing the character from uh the bardic versus martin so he's a human bard um oh, cool. i try to he has very limited combat experience so the, the character martin um to give you the elevator pitch he's the son of like a legendary family of warriors so his dad was a warrior his grandfather his grandmother like all these other people that came before him all warriors he decided not to take up the sword and picked up a loot instead um so i play that character as somebody with little to no combat experience um so i try to talk my way out of every single interaction i have in that game the way that i would picture martin like martin very rarely engages in combat um, in the book until the until he's pushed to his limit. Um, so I do the same in, in Baldur's Gate. So that would be me in general. I used to, in a past life, I was a door guy, a very popular bar on Long Island. And I would never get into fights. Like we, we our big thing was like, we wanted to be as nonviolent as possible when dealing with people because people are so litigious in this day and age. Uh, so we wouldn't really, you know, we tried very hard to go the nonviolent approach with, uh, you know, people that are violent. So I try to treat my life the same way and, and this character the same way. Like, I want to try to talk my way out of every single situation. And if I have to fight, I'll, I'll use that as the, you know, uh, last ditch effort. Kale. Man, this is so tough. I'm not. I think similar to Matt, uh, I'm not a D&D guy. I've only ever gotten to play a couple yeah. times. I think 
I think I'm just gonna go with like what my original character was, and it was like a like a a, a, a wizard fighter. Interesting. Uh, very huh. big on like you know throwing fireballs and then like you know decking you in the face, <laughs> like Dang. enchanting your sword and whatnot. Yeah. I remember you played a paladin in our our campaign. Was that uh, a paladin? You were uh, something religious, maybe a cleric. Were you a cleric? Possibly a cleric. I know you're religion religion based heavily. Something know, so. religious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> if you're if you're watching us live or really at all, let us uh, know what you would be. What would you be? What are you in our little uh, our little D and D game that we'll never get around yeah. to? Harris the says fantasy DM the fantasy us. pals verse. Yeah. Um. I, will, I wanted to mention again, if you want to get your hands on the Bardic Verses, you can do that in February at your store. Wherever you go to buy comics, your favorite local LCS or like local comic shop, um, you will be able to pick this book up there. I know I'm going to be picking it up. I can't wait to be able to pick it up. So I think everybody should do that. Um, if you haven't figured it out yet, these are some good brothers. And uh, they're doing good work. And, you know, we, we like to put our money where our mouth is. So if you and, want and, good comics r- done by good people, this is one of the ones you should be looking out for in February. And once previews and is out, pre-order. Make yeah, sure December. Yep. December. Yep. Awesome. So once you get yeah. the previews code, that's what you need to pre-order, right? The previews code? Yeah. Um, I mean, you yeah. can, in theory, any good comic shop that has, like, a computer in it can <laughs> they can order it with the title alone. But yeah, we you know we typically pass around the previous code. Cool, awesome. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep things rolling along. Um, Matt and Pete are gonna hang out, right? You guys are good. Yep. Yeah. 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 We got we got more show to do. Uh, but before we get into that, I do want to let you guys know a little bit about us, the Comics Pals. If you are enjoying this, if you've been having a good time so far. Patreon.com slash the comics pals is the best way to support us. If you like what we do, we'd love to give you bang for your buck over there. We're always posting every single week. We've got new content up there for you guys. We've got a newsletter that goes out every single week. We've got palling around, which are, is our exclusive show uh, to our Patreon page. Um, where we talk about whatever we feel like talking about this week. We talked about our experience with, uh, with Comicsgate. And oh, uh, we boy. dove into yeah we had a we had a, quite a run in we 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 made the decision to have Heather Antos on the show who was yeah. a fantastic human and for some reason that was a cardinal sin but uh, you know no sweat off our backs but we talked about that on our Patreon page and you guys can go listen to that um, while we're speaking about Patreon and patrons I want to say thank you to our fantastic patrons um, a special shout out. To the best pals in the universe, Thunderstruck Rebecca Alejandro and the Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound. And a very special thank you to the Night Stalker, Harris Dijinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Kefis the Incorruptible, Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcross Catherine Stars, Dan the Truth Trudeau, Joel Justice, Jalen the Sanguine Sorcerer, Neon Knight, Cosmic Avengers, Super Shenran the Conqueror, and Marvelous Mike and Mackenzie. You all are beautiful. Thank you so much. If you want to watch this show live, that is every single Saturday right here on YouTube, 
facebook.com slash the comics pals at 10 15 a.m eastern thursdays at 6 p.m eastern for pals pulls you can vote in the listener poll on youtube in our community page um if you want to decide what we read on the show you get to influence that uh we've got some good books up there this week uh so go check that out uh we've got uh Miss Marvel, The New Mutant, number two, Realm of X, number two, Power Girl, number one, and Penguin, number two. So um, DC and Marvel going head-to-head in that poll. Give that a look, and come hang out with us on our Discord server, where we are always having a very fun time. I can't even keep up on the Discord. People are I know, right? going in that one. Jeez. Yeah. Like, it's it's its own it's its own animal now. Yeah. Um. Don't forget, we're going to be doing a draft later on, so we got to get to 25 likes. If you have not hit that like button yet and you can hear my voice, smash that like button. Let's hit that goal well ahead of time so that I don't have to say it again. I shouldn't even have to say it at all. You guys know what we do on Saturday mornings. Let's get it. Let's talk about Jonathan Hickman again. He moved on from the X-Men. He said, I'm done with that. He put that in the rearview mirror. He went all the way back to 20 years ago and said, we're going to run it back with the Ultimate Universe. We've got Ultimate Invasion going on right now. But Marvel doesn't care about that anymore. I'm not even sure they ever did. It's all about what's coming next. And what we know is coming next, in this case, is Ultimate Spider-Man by Jonathan Hickman and Marco Cicchetto. Oh, not me. Not you. No. Not me. No, not you. First of all, I we got to have a conversation pal on pal because I want to know if this counts because I said that Hickman would be writing a Spider-Man book and that was part of our of our uh, oh, of our bets. Stuff? Yeah, the year end bets. Ooh. So we got to have that conversation. But this comes out next year. Does that count? It comes out next year. It's announced this year. That's a conversation we're going to have to have. I'll put that to the side for now. If it if it if it means you winning, then I say no. Fair <laughs> enough. I I I, I understand. We'll see how it mats out. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see how favorable it is for me. When I say Ultimate Spider-Man, Jonathan Hickman, Marco Chiquetto, are you hyped? Does that get you going? No. No. I I like Hick- I, all of these things. I like separately. And even like bits and pieces of these things I like together. But for me, I'm not interested in the voice that Hickman is going to bring to Spider-Man. I th- Hickman for me is too big brain for, for Spider-Man. I love what he did with the X-Men. I love what he did with the Avengers. And I absolutely love what he did with the Fantastic Four. There's too much low-to-the-ground stuff that Spider-Man deals with that I don't think I am interested in Hickman's voice for. The, huh. Because you say that, and I agree with you, Kel. Because uh, yeah, I think of course. If, I think of it, yeah, because you're, you're, you're right. a smart guy. You're always right, yeah. Um, oh. So, but like, Hickman's like Secret Wars. He's, he's House and Powers of X. But there are some peaks of his spider-man that i've gotten i think like in his avengers run when when cap recruits spider-man uh he asks something like are is there gonna are you gonna get paid as your health insurance and then yeah, cries. Yeah. he's like oh yes like uh, there are bits there that are very spider-man and i enjoyed 
I'm definitely not saying he can't write Spider-Man. Sure. Yeah. And or that he couldn't even do a good one. I'm saying that I'm not interested in it. But I also think it depends on what Spider-Man this is, too. Like that's a big question mark here. Is it Miles? Is it Peter? Is it a and new Tyler, one? You are just Sean, I, also, I, don't, I don't have your script, Sean. <laughs> I'm just going with what my brain's telling me. I also think Marco Ticetto is um I think that art is gonna be too pretty. What? You know, Bagley was oh. uh, you know, with Ultimate Spider-Man, Bagley was like the spider guy, but his art wasn't like it's not perfect, you know, the way that sort of Chichetto, like we might as well put Olivier Coipel on uh on Spider-Man for this. And it's just like like yeah that's that's cool and that's good. But it's just like is that like how long is that gonna last? You know, it's like uh uh Sean, we talk about this all the time. It's uh how long can we keep Ed McGuinness on a book? Yeah. You know right before before you have to start getting a fill in artist. Yeah. Before you have to start having fill in arcs. Yeah absolutely. Yep. Even like outside of Bagley, like I think of, uh, oh, who wrote the the relaunch Ultimate Spider Man? Who drew that uh, with Bendis? Imminent. Oh, uh, Pacelli. Yeah, yes. but then there was another one. It was um, it was a little more cartoony. It was uh, oh, La Fuente. La Fuente. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like even like Ultimate Spider Man, I don't think of it as like this grounded Spider Man and art style that I think of like Trichetto. You know. Like with Chichetto, I think of Daredevil. I think of uh, his Punisher run with Greg Rucka, which fantastic book. Um, so I almost think of Ultimate Spider-Man as a little more lighthearted, a little goofy. But also, I don't think of Hickman as that either. So uh, this seems like a full retooling of the idea of Ultimate Spider-Man. Matt and Pete, where are you at with this? I feel like I have, I have some thoughts. Um, I think I'm not overly concerned with Chichetto necessarily um I think you know to Tyler's point like that there aren't matches like a street level character right like that Daredevil run is top tier um but like for Hickman I don't picture him as a street level character guy and that could be my own bias um but like I, I you said big brain like he has like a lot of like just real heady like uh concepts in all of his books like i, I don't picture him as a spider-man guy and i could be wrong like he he, he might knock it out yeah. of the park but for me like I, reading that off the bat i'm like that's a strange choice for me um and it doesn't I, i'm not gonna run out to the store i'll kind of wait and see you know how other people who are picking up the book are talking about it. But for me, like I, I don't see him as the Spider-Man guy. And again, I could be wrong and I'm hoping I am wrong. Um, but off the rip, like, no. Yeah. Same here. I, um, <clears throat> Hickman feels like a, like an odd choice, you know, he's, uh, you know, <sighs> Almost, almost strikes me as like too cerebral for Spider-Man, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, I, I would love to be totally wrong on that, right? And I, you know, Chichetto, 
an amazing artist, right? Like I, I can't wait to see what that is. I would like to think that, you know, cause you know, Chichetto's just come off a of daredevil. That's been very gritty and action packed. And Hickman is, you know, again, more, you know, cerebral and like weaves a very intricate web um, with oh. his stories that, uh, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is them coming together and saying, Hey, we need to scale it back ourselves. We need to, we need to get street level and maybe it's great, but yeah, right out the gate. Nah, kind of apprehensive about it. Yeah. That's a good word. Apprehensive. It's just like, I'm, I'm not necessarily, it's not that I'm not excited, but I, I need to wait for it to come out to see what, what we're going to get. Cause, um, I, similarly, it doesn't feel like he's the guy to do those kinds of a ground level storytelling. He's always mm-hmm. he's always operating up here, and the rest of us are down here until he brings us up, you know. And yeah. um, on the on the art style, I feel like I remember uh, the the oh, I always remember the cover of the first trade. Uh, it's like digital, shiny, bright colors, and that's what I expect from some of the art sometimes uh, at least for the for the ultimate book and for specifically for spider-man um so i don't know i, I think I, I think marco chato is a capable artist and it's just going to be a matter of will he emulate the style or is he going to decide and double down on his stuff either way it's going to look fire i mean we had these two do uh peter parker or spider-man story in amazing fantasy 1000 and it dealt with the Council of Peters, so it's not a very ground-level concept. <laughs> um, so if that's any indication, uh, it's going to be very Hickman-y. So. But, but Hickman can do the Hickman stuff, and it works. And I think like he'll take this character to be like, all right, and he's going off. But actually, it's, I'm, I'm mm. stuck to the story. All right. So... Now, the big question, as Tyler alluded to, is which Spider-Man is he writing? Um, and Riley. Okay. Be. Okay, hold on. <laughs> now yeah, you've got me. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> it could be May, May Parker. You know, who knows? Um, they could go any direction. Obviously, it's going to be Pete or Miles. Um, I, have, I haven't read the most recent issue of Ultimate Invasion, so I don't know if there's anything there that would inform, you know, the idea of which one this will be. Um, if I had to guess, I would say Miles, um, just because we did see him early on interacting with um, with the maker and all that stuff. They really put a made a point to showcase him early. I think that's the natural place to go. I don't know where that leaves Peter at, but I think if if we're doing uh, ultimate universe, and we're not just saying, okay, we're running it back from 20 years ago. It has to start with Miles. Um, but I don't think that that's to that 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 means that Pete shouldn't be there. I think Pete should be there. I just think Miles should probably be the marquee Spider Man in this universe. I, I would almost say that with with what Ultimate Invasion, what, what's happening in Ultimate Invasion, and, and light spoilers, but I think it could be a secret third thing, and I think it could be a new character, honestly. I don't think that's fully outside the realm of possibility. I think it would be dumb. <laughs> but based on what that story is doing, or it's kind of rewriting the Ultimate Universe in a way, I think there's a possibility there could be a new one. 
Uh, I no thanks. Yeah, I don't need it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm with you guys. But yeah. So I where think... do you guys land? Should it be Pete? Should it be Miles? Does it matter? Should be Ben. I'd prefer if it was Miles, but um, you know, give him his own place away from Pete to kind of do his thing. I think you know. That's a that's a, <clears throat> I love Miles Morales as a character, but I feel that he just works better when he's not standing under Peter's shadow, right? Like that's and and that's a that's that's a big shadow, you know? Like uh get him into the ultimate universe, let him do his own thing. And for me, I'd prefer if Peter wasn't even around. Um, you know, just let Miles be Miles. Let him do his thing. What's what I think is interesting about that is I think Miles and Peter work really well when they're actually together. Yeah. Like actually together. But when Miles is off away from Peter, but Peter's always at arm's length, it feels weirder. It feels like he's a sidekick. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. doing his own thing, right? Like when like when Damien's doing his own thing and Bruce is across yeah. the city, it's the same kind of vibe. You know? Yeah, but let's, yeah, and I think we've said this before. But if if Peter would actually level up, you know, slap him on the Avengers team, put him in space, like, you know, uh, give give Miles and Peter that individuality they both need. I think that's yeah. a unanimous take from us too. It's like either kill Peter or have him grow up, and have Miles be the the teen Spider Man in that way. Marowak Oscuro says, nah, Miles is staying in the 616. It will be the older and original Ultimate Peter Parker. Um, I could see that scenario playing out as well. Again, though, I, I've been an advocate since they announced Ultimate Return of let Miles go back. Not because I don't want Miles in 616. I do, desperately. It's just that it's been a failed experiment. It, it, it has not worked. The only time it really worked was when Bendis was still writing him because Bendis was like, I'm going to make Miles work. And so the the first event that they did, I feel like after um after uh, um after Miles was brought in, was like he's front and center. Like he's a factor. Um and now he's not. He feels like whatever. So if he's not in 616 and if he is in the ultimate universe and Hickman is writing him, which is another thing I've always said, get top tier writers to write characters you want to get over. That's a recipe for success to me. I think that's tricky, though, because Miles has solidified himself as a character in the 616. Now he was part of the champions, you know, that whole young section of Marvel. He's part of that. So what do you do there? Do you make the universes easily acceptable between like like accessible between the two where other characters can hop in and out? Like it it's a weird thing to go back to this. But does it matter that he's built yeah. a little corner of being in the champions at a time? Like I don't think Miles is not doing anything relevant. Is who here's he, reading Miles' book? Are yeah, are the champions There are no hands up, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are the champions relevant like what a team name like they you know they were the the fetch of the marvel universe for a bit they were trying to make it happen but uh it it didn't i enjoyed it but it was also mark wade writing teens so uh, 
but yeah, but it's also like the defenders. It's like, oh yeah, it's cool that these characters have a place to get together. But you know, when I have to think of their team name, it's not going to be that. Sure. <laughs> you know. We will get more info at New York Comic Con, um, which is just the vibe right now. That yeah. We're so close to it. Um, but I am very excited for this. I think Hickman, as heady as he can be, I think when you are a talented creator, if there's a need, you rise to the need. And I think Hickman can do that. I don't think that he's too big for Spider-Man. I think as a talent, he is exactly literally exactly what miles needs if it's miles and if it's peter i'm sure those stories will be great um another announcement from marvel that we will learn more about next month uh is avengers twilight i think this one might might be more universally exciting for you all chip zadarsky is teaming up with daniel acuna uh, for the, I guess you could you could almost say like this is what the vibe I get. We don't know much. Um, Avengers: The End, almost uh, like the last Avenger story type of deal. Twilight of the superheroes, one might say. Yes, Marco. There you go. Um, Matt, do you think that that's what this is? And if it is that, is that something you're into? Uh, I mean. It's Chip on the book, and and Daniel Acuna's no slouch, so I'm I'm here for it either way. Yeah, it feels like it's going to be like the this is the last Avengers uh, story. Uh, I I say this with my tongue in my cheek, but I hate Chip Zdarsky so much uh, because he's so good at literally everything. Like he could draw uh, his Daredevil has been like probably my favorite Daredevil run. and he's he's obviously gonna bring it. I mean, it's I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it all around. Yeah, this is this is to me this is exciting. If I mean, look, I am ready for Jed McKay's run to be over uh, five issues in, but I don't think I don't think that um, this is that. I feel like this is a, a an ancillary thing. That will happen off to the side. And Chip has done a tremendous job with that kind of thing. Uh, we had the Spider Spider Shadow, which I enjoyed. And then the uh, Life Story, the Spider-Man uh, Life Story, which was also very good. So I think if he's given the room an opportunity to kind of do what he wants um, with an Avengers that has nothing to do with now and is almost like a what if, I think that's that's fantastic. I agree with that. But the way this is lo- kind of looped in with the rest of the announcements and part of the next big thing panel, I feel like this is more like maybe an Omega issue to his Avengers run. Like, no, nothing against Jed McKay. I'm enjoying his Avengers run. I might be in the minority here. Um, but the announcement of Jed McKay on the Avengers did feel like, alright, transitional champ uh, for you wrestling fans out there. Um, where it's it's like, alright, we need, you know... Chip always felt like the next guy to do Avengers, especially after his Daredevil run, um, like they were grooming him for it. And maybe Jed's run is just so Chip can build that. Um, and this could be the start of it. Um, I Honestly, I love Chip, but Daniel Cunha is the draw for me here. Uh, his, I mean, Sean, you and I, Uncanny Avengers, yeah. that's, our, that's our jam. 
Yeah. Um, I know Kale's a hater. Uh, but... Big time. Yeah, big time. <laughs> this is the thing that is going to keep me away from this book. Yeah, I I love Daniel Cunha for Avengers 50th anniversary, I believe, did uh, a series of connecting variants. And I know uh, variants. Uh, uh, um, but he drew every Avenger ever in these connecting variants. And they were gorgeous. Uh, so that that has me more excited than anything here. I'm not I'm not following Avengers. Uh, you got Chip on. I know his name. That carries weight. Daniel Cunha's <laughs> name carries weight. Uh, it's one of those books that I'll I'll give it the the new the new creator team. You know that benefit of the doubt. And then from there, it's just a matter of whether or not they can suck me in. And I don't I don't think that either of these guys don't have that ability. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Is Chip his real name? No, I don't think so. Surely. It's genius. It's Steve. <laughs> I won't say his last name, but it's Steve. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Oh, wait. wait, Tyler, wasn't that uh, like a bit in um, the – what was that one book? Uh, image comics he's like a character in it right oh crossover he was yeah, in crossover right? i think so yeah 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 r.i.p that book that book was good but yeah so good uh uh top lane says he did justice league last ride and that wasn't great i didn't read that did anyone read that i forgot it existed you know he's done that that like uh he did the dark knight book too right uh that wasn't batman proper but it was like a side dark knight story I remember something like that, yeah, yeah, vaguely. He did like a prequel. It was like a Bruce yeah. Wayne prequel before, like pre-Batman. Yeah. Um, mm. Which is it's fine. I remember there being a lot of Alfred in it. It was very Alfred-centric. My question, though, is if this is supposed to tie into, like if this is supposed to pick up where Jed's run leaves off, like why give it a subtitle? Right. So oh. it, that makes me think that it's not, gonna connect and it's gonna be its own thing because otherwise they would just say like chip's gonna be on the avengers guys like yeah uh it this feels like something off to the side i think if it was a baton pass they would make more out of it absolutely i i do hate with all these announcements though that it's making me actually want to go to a marvel panel near comic-con like i thought i was past that <laughs> they're fun dude I know they're, they're they're fun, and I gotta ask this apocalypse question. So I, I think I think I think I might need to you know cut some time out to go to this. While we're on the subject of Comic Con, Pete and Matt, what are your Comic Con New York Comic Con plans? Are we linking up? Are we gonna hang out? What's up? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be around on Saturday, just kind of uh, roaming the floor to say hi to people that are in town. Um, so yeah, if you guys are around, for sure, let's link up. Pete, what are you? What days are you gonna be there? I'm only going to be there Thursday with uh, with some of the kids, the wife, a brother, uh, niece. It's going to be like a whole crew of people. Um, but if you're look, if you're trying to keep your eye out for me, I'll be the fat guy with the mask. Um, <laughs> I should stand out. Yep. <laughs> a costume. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's my costume. Yeah. Fat guy with the mask. Um, okay. All right. Well, hopefully we run into each other. We should we should try to do that. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've been seeing matt at new york comic-con like for almost a decade <laughs> yeah i i've gone to every single i've never missed one actually yeah. no that's not true i missed one year because i sprained my ankle but um i've been every almost every year 
from the inception. That first one, what a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it was in February. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. like stood outside to get in like the first thing in the morning. Just brutal. Do, do, did you go to a special edition? I always harp on special edition. No, right? and I heard all oh, I hear about awesome. special edition is how good it was. And then they only did it once, never did it yeah. again. Because it was it was like basically just Artist Alley, right? Essentially, it was that with with panels that were like right next to Artist Alley, and there was big old wharf roaches around. That's all I remember. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't like a presence of uh, the films and television stuff, so it felt like a completely comics focused yep. event in New York with the with the cachet of New York Comic Con, yeah. and that made it feel really awesome. Um, I'm excited for the fact that. Like, I'm not excited for the strike, but I'm excited for the fact that because of that, a lot of the promotion and stuff is on pause. So I'm hoping that reflects this year at Comic-Con, where there is more of a focus on the comics and yeah. maybe Artist Alley will get more love this year. I'm hoping that that's what we get out of it. Looks they like said of, like, San Diego was yeah. like the best comics show that it's ever been because of the strike, which is sad. Obviously, you know, you want people to be working, but... Uh, you know, it's nice to go to a show. Like, I think the last, like, purely comics-focused show I went to was, like, Baltimore Comic-Con, like, a couple years ago. And that was, you know, they, they don't they do not do the same thing that New York and San Diego does. They're not doing, um, like, movie and TV panels. Like, it was all comics the whole time. And it's awesome. I love that. I miss I miss the old-school cons. Fun Feels stuff. pure. Got to go to those small ones, man. SPX was a blast because of that exactly. I want to go to Baltimore next year. Baltimore's fun. Yeah, I want to give that a shot. Em- Emerald City's on my list. Mm-hmm. Down. You know what's on everybody's list? Transformers number one. Ooh, good, good one. Thank you. Can't wait. Every- now, now this is where we're all aligned. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is hyped for this comic book. Daniel Warren Johnson, Mike Spicer. Um it's just unbelievable. The start of the Energon universe in the hands of Image and Skybound. This is the highest selling Skybound debut ever at 150,000 copies sold so far to retailers. Eat that, Batman. <laughs> well, not published by <laughs> Skybound, but okay. I know what I said. There, there's something with Danny Warren Johnson where it's infectious his enthusiasm for stuff. Um, the du- the dude writes stuff that he loves, you know, like like metal music that he did in in Murder Falcon, uh, do a power bomb, his love for wrestling, um, and like if you've seen interviews with this guy, this dude loves Transformers. He's got so many in his backgrounds of any any Zoom call he's in. Um, so I'm not even a Transformers dude, and I am hyped for this, and it's pretty good, I gotta say. Um, but yeah, it's. It's it, it yeah, I'm I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this whole Transformers even G.I. Joe stuff, like the Tom Riley Duke book coming out. Like I'm hyped for that too. I can't wait to see Optimus Prime do the one winged angel uh yeah. to <laughs> Megatron at some point in the book because you know Daniel Warren Johnson is gonna throw wrestling in there. Um I think just just like his work in general, like just the his art style and how like he is able to convey movement in his panels, like is unmatched. Like there's no one out there doing what he's doing on a page. 
Um, his stuff is just so fun to read. Um, I, I can't even, again, like similar to Tyler, like I'm not a Transformers guy per se. I, I you know, I like them. I like the stuff that, you know, I, I've seen all the movies. I've seen the cartoon and stuff, but I'm not like a fan fan. But I'm here for this. I'm here for anything Daniel Warren Johnson wants to do. If he wants to do a comic book, the Cabbage Patch Kids, like I'll read it. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, if there's anybody that's gonna turn me into a, a a Transformers fan, it's gonna be this guy, man. Oh yeah. I I want to drop a bombshell. Hmm. Yes, I'm I'm I am here today to drop a bombshell. There'll be two issues with Daniel Warren Johnson. <laughs> I have read it. Yeah, same. Yeah. Okay, you read it too? Yeah. yeah. Do we get um, it? Yes, we got yeah, it. We got it. We got it. We can't say anything Fool. about the interiors, but what we can say is that it is phenomenal. Yeah. It is so awesome. And everybody's gonna love it. Like if you're not if you're not on the train for this book yet, I am telling you right now. You will love this comic book. It is so good. When I finished reading it, I felt like Booker T. I was like, oh, shucky, ducky, quack, quack. This stuff is good. Like, <laughs> I was, oh, oof. can't wait for, like, the, the nice hardcover of this. Like, I'm, I'm future-proofing my brain for what this book will be. Artist edition. Just get these big old, like, archival Image, Image doesn't pages. do that, but yeah. They should, man. For this guy? Oh, right now? Yeah. This book, Scalera's Black Science. Like, there's, there's plenty that I want them to do that for. But yeah, uh, I, I genuinely can't wait until the, uh, the pages come out on like, um, Cadence. I think that's the one that represents him. Um, because I'd probably cop a page. I can think of a page that I would want to have right now from the, yeah. from the book. And yeah. Tyler, I feel like we're probably thinking of the same. If you're thinking of one, I feel like we're probably thinking of the same one. I'm thinking. Of Careful. all of them, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, which one though? But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, get ready. Yeah. Get ready, and and hats off because I love the fact that you know this is a huge success for Skybound. Um, this is immediately proving the value of this partnership, which so far has been great for them. Even Void Rivals has done really well. Um, which is a Hasbro property, which is a weird part of the deal, but that is a Hasbro book technically. Um, and so that's been doing really well. And I'm sure the G.I. Joe stuff will do really well too. I'm really happy for everybody involved. And this isn't going to be, I know he usually does like minis and stuff, but do we know if this is ongoing? It is. By all accounts, yeah. it is ongoing. Okay. It's at least announced as an ongoing uh, it can still be an ongoing wow. with a different creative team down the line, but sure, right, the sure. book itself yeah, yeah. is an ongoing. Yeah, if you're gonna open, open with a bank. If he does less than twelve, I'm I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right, you know, ch chain like, him up and let him do everything going forward. Like <laughs> this is his book for the next two years. I'm down. We already know Clayton Cowles is chained up in a basement. <laughs> Let's get. Daniel Warren Johnson down there too and put these brothers to work. Let's do it. He needs a buddy down there. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Uh, just uh, as the comic files, we're not pro slavery. Um, this is, <laughs> we want all of our artists to have, you know. They uh, can be paid. That's fine. Okay. We'll right. pay. Okay. They'll, they'll be paid yeah. handsomely. Yeah. They just can't leave. 
Right, right. exactly. exactly. Yeah. They can use the benefits of that. Yeah. In four years, they won't see the light of day for four years. Yeah, their families will be well provided for. There's a lot of fun things they can do on the internet with their money. It's okay, but we need more Daniel Warren Johnson comics. And, uh, you know, kids get in the way of making books sometimes. It's up to our Patreon with that money. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I would love that. Um, so, yes, Transformers, get that. It'll be out uh, October 4th. So, yeah, you're going to want to pick that up. You know what else you're going to want to pick up is The Bardic Versus, which will be at your local comic book shop in February. You will be able to pick it up. You'll be able to hold it in your hands. It's a glorious book. You want it. I want it. I'm excited to get my hands on it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a draft to do. We promised a draft. You guys did what we asked you to do. We crushed the likes goal. And so we are going to deliver on our promise of a draft. And we've got a fun one on tap for today, I think. We're going to be drafting our very own Legion of Doom. Let's go. This this would have been last week's, but. (laughs) So what does that mean that we're drafting the Legion of Doom? It means that we can draft our teams of five villains. Five. Sure. Five. That's what? What's five times six? I'm bad at math. That's 30 30 different villains. Yeah. We can come up with 30 DC villains between the six of us. Can we not? (laughs) Surely. We're going to have to reach for this Legion of Doom, but I, you know. Condiment King, right. Legion of Doom, let's go. <laughs> It'll be fun. Uh, so we're going to do five villains, and whoever can put the best team together wins. What is the best team? What, are the, what is the qualification for the best team? Whatever that means to you, the listener. Vibes. That's, that's the answer. <laughs> Some, sometimes it's vibes. Yeah. Sometimes it's vibes. Now, I have... My handy-dandy dice, which I will get really quick. Watch me go last, even with six people here. (laughs) Dude, there are people who say my dice are cursed. I don't believe that, but uh, I can see why you would. Um, I'm going to say that since we have some guests, uh, we should let them go first. Roll first or go first? Go first. Okay. Oh, and then we decide afterwards. We roll. Yes. So okay. we'll. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll to see who goes first between Pete and Matt. Okay. So I will roll for you guys, and then I'll roll for everybody else. So here we go. I've got my dice, my X-Men dice, uh, and I am rolling now for Matt. All right. Oh, it fell off. It oh. fell off. We, we roll again. We roll again. That's a seven. Okay. So seven for Matt. And now for Pete, that is a three. So Matt will go first. Pete will go second. And now for everyone else, I'll start with Marco. Give it to me. That's a 12. Woo! All right. Well, I won. Wow. Best of the worst. Marco is going. (laughs) Uh, Now for Tyler. That's an eight. Okay. For Kale. That is an 11. Woo! Big numbers. And for myself, a 10. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> so somehow Tyler is last, even though my man rolled an eight. I am so sorry. And uh, to get that, we I had to get the twelve. Kale had to get the eleven. You had to get the ten. Like yeah. it mathed out perfectly. <laughs> Everything aligned for that. Tyler. I should gamble. Wait, no, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> you should not no, gamble. No. Uh, you should never gamble. So the the so the order will be Matt, Pete, Marco, Kale, me, Tyler. All right, and then we're doing a snake draft, so then I'll do two, and Pete yes. will do, uh, Matt will do two on the reverse end. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so Matt, you're up. All right, so for me, so I have to do one, right? So do yeah, I have that right? Start start? Yep. Start with yeah. one. Okay. Um, I'm my first round draft pick is coming out of Gotham City. Uh, he is the Riddler. Nice. One of my favorite oh. Batman villains. Um, I like the one big Batman story I've always wanted to write was the was Riddler centric. Um, I'm obsessed with the episode of the animated series. Uh, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Um, so yeah, he's perfect first round draft pick for me. What are your thoughts on Batman Forever? Uh, <laughs> already I mean, already off to a bad start. My it's it's Jim Carrey playing. The Riddler, so it's more Jim Carrey than it is Riddler. Um, so, I, you know, I, I give him a pass because it's Jim Carrey, but not the best iteration of the Riddler. Okay, all right. A bold first-round pick. Very. Leaving a lot on the table there. Oh, I feel Pete, like Riddler is under, underappreciated. I think there's, Pete, there's how you following? Media. how are you following up? All right, so my first-round pick, you need, you need somebody that has leadership, uh, smarts, ingenuity, uh, and is able to go toe to toe with somebody well outside of his class. So I'm going to pick Lex Luthor. Great start. Safe. That's a safe pick. It is a safe pick. <laughs> the good but one. it's also the right pick. <laughs> Marco. Uh, I'm also going to go down the tactical route, but um, not so much brawn, but you definitely need the brain. Wait, you picked the brain oh, from the brain. <laughs> from Monsieur Malal the brain as your yeah. first pick. Oh my yeah. god! I thought that is that an was awesome pick. Totally That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a bold pick! Wow, Kale. I wonder who you're going to pick. <laughs> I would. I would love to have the balls to pick Monsieur Mala. I don't. <laughs> Please don't touch that one. Leave that for Marco. Yeah. Uh, I am going to do Captain Colt. Whoa. All love right. a flash rogue. Yeah. Um, well, all right, then I guess I have to be the one to do it. I'm going to draft Dark Side. Damn it. That was my next pick. All right. Classic Legion of Doom <laughs> member. Hey, absolutely. Sean 100%. picks the OP teams constantly. That's why I think yeah. this would be based on vibes. Um, all right. I'm so, I don't know how it happened, but I'm going to pick Joker. Like, I kind of have to. It'd be dumb of me not to. I'd be a joke to not... Uh, but I will then follow it up with my second pick, Gorilla Grodd. Oh, that's good. Marco, are you just picking all the simians? Like what? <laughs> I was going <laughs> to do like a whole it's monkey the, list. Yeah, yeah. It's the legion of opposable thumbs for Marco. <laughs> all right. So then that would make it your turn. My turn. Okay. Uh, oof, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Rachel Ghoul. Nice. Good Great choice. pick. Yeah, I, knew, I always knew you were a race, race, racist. <laughs> <laughs> you know me so well. Yep. 
So that would make it Kale's turn. Yep. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna go with Mister Freeze. Dick. <laughs> this is a cold team. I want to see oh if I can do god. it. Oh my god! Oh my god, dude! There's Somebody no pick, way. Yo, Pete, pick Kale. No, you gotta first. do it. You gotta <laughs> do it. Yeah, I'll commit to it, but you guys gotta get out of my way. <laughs> I won't. I won't uh, interfere with that. Uh, Marco. I'm gonna go with. Uh... Dang. No, I'm gonna go with Black Manta. Nice. What happened to your freaking uh, Simeon team? He wimped out. It took, it took a really grot already. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Tyler. Well, to be uh, fair, Marco, you picked my next pick. So. Oh yes. Pete, you're up. Um. See, I think Lex was the safe choice, but I also think realistically, Lex isn't going to choose anybody that's smarter than him. So, um. I'll choose Salmon and Grundy. Monday. That's a good combo, actually. I like those two together. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, absolutely. And then, Matt, you get two now. Uh, I am going to go with... I need a heavy. So um, we're going to go with Doomsday. Uh, and... Sinestro. Little classic Legion of Doom there, but you know we need a we need, we need the guy we need the yellow lantern representing. Oh geez, you don't want classic Legion of Doom blue suit Sinestro with the weird jester <laughs> collar. <laughs> I mean, I I do like that look, oh, but yeah, yeah. I like the the black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Okay, Wiz. So <laughs> it would be Pete's turn again, right? Yeah, correct. Yep. Uh, yeah. I understand uh, this now. Here we go. Finally. So, so black and yellow, black and yellow. How about yellow and red? Um, we'll go with uh, Professor Zoom. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Good to do. Uh, do King Shark. This is the weirdest draft we have ever done. <laughs> King Shark. You just you just shifted. You're like, well, uh, Aquaman villain, huh? Kale. Listen, I said I'm committing. Minister Blizzard. Whoa. Whomst? He's an ancient Wonder Woman villain. <laughs> Did you just Google cold-based villains? What do you mean? Hey, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> um, I'm going to draft... Um, I'm gonna go with Bane. Tyler for two. T Tyler for two. Uh, oh, you hit the daily double. Uh, so <laughs> I'm gonna go with Deathstroke as my next one. Good. I love me some Slade Wilson, and then I'm gonna pick. Uh, we debated this last week whether or not villain, but I'm gonna pick Poison Ivy. Absolutely. Good choice. Um, I, I will idea. draft. I need. I need some. I need some power here. I need some uh, power here from a team with Dark Side and Bane. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um. 
I'm going to go with ooh. I'm gonna go with oh. I'm gonna go with Ultraman. Damn. Man, you watched last week, didn't you? Sorry? You watched last week, didn't you? I did, but I love I'm I love Ultraman. Yeah, that's Morrison stuff there. Uh Kale. Killer Frost. (laughs) (laughs) Marco. Uh, I was going to do Cyborg Superman. Nice. Nice. Pete. Um, I'm going to go with the bat who laughs. You did it. Oh, my God. You did it. Hell of a pick. Wow. Wow. The Batman Who Laughs and Solomon Grundy on the same team. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Uh, am I two or one? You're two. Yeah, they're your uh, last two. Yep. I'm going to go with uh, Cheetah and uh, most recently an anti-hero, but I uh, picture him as a villain, Black Adam. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Villain, that's not going to work for me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, you're up. Last um, Jeez. Um, I guess I will go with... I'm going to go with Clayface. Nice. nice. Love me some Clayface. Oh, yeah. And, I mean... It just seems like a good fit. Why not? Batman who laughs, Clayface. I oh, I see it. I see it, it. Unless unless David Zaslav is on the table. If I can choose him, I'll put him in. You have you already got Lex yeah. Luthor, so yeah. I mean <laughs> Yeah. If you're telling me Lex doesn't own a movie studio on the side that he that he doesn't pay people on. Lex <laughs> films. Yeah. Luther films, yeah. Uh uh Marco. Uh, I'm going to do Mirror Master. Nice. That conversation about Mirror Master last week, I was I was up in arms. I was, I oh my would, yeah. God. During that dra- uh, ranking you guys did. Mm. Would Mirror Master go to A tier? Was he? <laughs> I couldn't no, believe that no. Mirror Master was higher than like every member of the Batman Rogues Gallery. <laughs> when there isn't a single human being on earth who hasn't picked up a comic that knows who the mirror master is. Meanwhile, everybody in my life can tell you right now who Catwoman and poison Ivy and all those are. It doesn't mean they're good villains. Well, you choose a good villain right now. I will red lantern. Oh, what do you do? What? Which, which one? <laughs> Atrocitus? You want yeah, the scary Lee's? one. You don't want Dexter, the cat. Yeah, he'd fit better. You better do that one. Yeah, I'll give you Dexter. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to choose. I hate to do this, but I'm going to choose Perpetua. <laughs> you, I hate you, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I know it's okay. Um, give us shit about Mirror Master. <laughs> hey, this is a draft, okay? Not a ranking. I would not rank Perpetua very highly. All right. I certainly wouldn't rank her above Poison Ivy. 
Uh, speaking of poison ivy, that was Tyler's last pick. Who no, are you I get, I get one more. I get one more. Oh, no, okay. I, I, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to end with something a little, a little weird. Uh, first of all, I'm surprised Marco didn't take Anton Arcane. Just saying. Um, oh shit. <laughs> fake, fake Swamp Thing fan. <laughs> fake fan. God. Um, I'm going to pick, uh, uh, uh I'm going to draft Tua from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I'm, I'm just making sure I'm getting the name right. I'm vamping right now. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pick Mr. Nobody from the Doom Patrol. Oh, nice. Okay, wow. We have six iterations of, <laughs> of the Legion of Doom, and they are fabulous. So let's run it from the top. We have Matt with Riddler, Doomsday. That is a classic team. Uh, Sinestro, Cheetah, and Black Adam. Formidable. Pete drafted Lex Luthor, Solomon Grundy, Professor Zoom, the Batman Who Laughs, and Clayface. Marco got The Brain, Black Manta, King Shark, Cyborg Superman, and The Mirror Master. Let's go. Kale... <laughs> yeah. Kale went for sort of a theme with Captain Cold, Mr. Freeze, Minister Blizzard, Killer Frost, and Deck Star. Um, Star having a cold heart. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Um, I got Dark Side, Rachel Ghoul, Bane, Ultraman, and Perpetua. And Tyler drafted Joker, Gorilla Grodd, Deathstroke, Poison Ivy, and Mr. Nobody. Mm. Did nobody Matt. did nobody draft Brainiac? Nobody what drafted oh, Brainiac. What are we doing here? What are we doing? That, damn. I think, I think Matt had the closest to actual Legion of Doom. Yeah, team. mine was safe. Yeah. Mine was safe. Yeah. I could yeah, that could definitely be a legitimate Legion yeah. outside of Doomsday, but he could be like a you know, someone's I someone's wanted to, to go real weird and pick like Starro. Uh but <laughs> I, I didn't yeah. didn't pull the trigger. But yours, I think, fits with like a toy man thrown on there, maybe a, yeah. maybe Giganta, you know. To be honest, I think Tyler's is really good if we're talking about like what makes sense for a Legion. I'd read that comic Joker, Gorilla Grodd, Deathstroke, Poison Ivy, Mr. Nobody. I'd read yeah. that. The last Listen, good, like left turn. Say, say what you want. You'll want mine in the summer. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> the summer legion <laughs> oh that's funny the rest of them are on vacation and these are the guys that are kind of picking up and handling it yeah they pick the ones that where their powers melt like i, <laughs> yeah. I, I would you know it's not I a long-term team i, I would like a legion, yeah i would, would like a legion of doom led by captain cold though like yeah. rogues is like all right rogues too small time i need to i need to level up so yeah. uh, with no other rogues on the team so they're the antagonists well he oh, knows what they're capable yeah. of can I uh, pose a question to you guys? Uh, yeah. Who of the two? Who do you guys think has better robes, Batman or Flash? Batman. Oof, what's better? Yeah. Uh, more I interesting. More interesting, Flash. I would still say Batman. Batman. <sighs> it's tough for me because I love them both so much. Yeah. Yeah. The rogues are more compelling to me as something I'd want to read. Yeah. But I still think Batman's rogues are just like more iconic and untapped, I feel, as, you know, actual character studies for a lot of them. Batman's? 
Well, I mean, we've tapped the the same five tap, over and over again. The fuck out of them. Yeah, yeah, that's a dead horse. I think as like people in general, the Flash's rogues are more yeah. interesting. I think as like overall characters and the differences, I think Batman's um, are better. But I, I like the the Flash being the Flash's rogues being like just criminals that are like forced into having to deal with a superpowered being. Top lane says, I feel rogues are better as a team individually. Batman rogues clear. I think that's, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think as a team, if we're talking about like a team wise, definitely the rogues for sure. Um, and it's more of a book I'd probably read. Uh, actually, I think I'd rather read a book about Batman's rogues teaming up. They and... did that. Uh, didn't Josh Williamson do that rogues book about oh, them doing yeah, like the one rogue. last job? Very I good, haven't, I haven't yeah. read it yet. Yeah, but really I, a buddy of mine who's like a big Flash fan was like, you have to read this because it's yeah. so good. Yeah. And it, it feels the – I can't remember who does the art on it, but it feels like that um, Jeff Johns era uh, Scott Collins art. Awesome. Um, so it's – yeah, it feels good. I'm excited Leo, to dip into it. Leo Max does it? Correct. Yep. Wow. It's really good. Chat. Let us know who won this draft. Of the six teams that we listed off, who for you won the draft? Which one did you like the most? The winner, the winner for the first time ever is going to get a prize. We've got a very special no prize to give out, so we'll get that <laughs> oh. to the winner very soon. Um, Harris, once the only again, person to actually win a prize in this podcast. <laughs> no, that's not true. Is he? Is it? Like physical? No, we gave out yeah. other stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. we've given out stuff. Um, Pete won. I, I see. I see. Oh, a Pete won in Pete. the chat yeah. already. <laughs> I'm, I'm pasting um, all the lists in here just for future reference. So I want to say, go pick up the Bardic verses. We already had a few people in the chat say that they were going to pre-order it, so that's fantastic. Um, nice. Thank you to those who who are going to do that. Um, whether you pre-order it or not, which pre-ordering is what helps the most, but whether you do it or not, you can get it in shops, in stores, wherever you buy your books this February. So you don't have too long to wait. Little post-Christmas stocking stuffer. All right. Nice Valentine's Day gift. Yes. Post-Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah. Free St. Patty's Day. There yeah. you go. That's a great St. Patrick's Day gift. I say that as an Irish person. Um. It takes place in a bar, right? Listen. Yeah, you know, you're not wrong. I think we, need, we need to push the date back then to Patty's Day. <laughs> Those no, notorious St. Patrick's I, I, Day I need gifts. it sooner. <laughs> push it up. Get that out today. Um, thank you both for joining the show. You guys have been fantastic. Thanks for having uh, us. Thanks, fun. thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You guys are welcome to come back. Hope to see you. Uh, at New York Comic Con, if we uh, if we can make that happen, that would be a lot of fun. Um, as for us, we the Comics Pals will be at New York Comic Con. We're gonna have live, well, not live, um, interviews that are coming out of the event. <laughs> we will me. have some we will, <laughs> live <laughs> interviews at Comic Con. Would be a trick. Um, we'll have some live stuff though. We'll have stuff. We'll have stuff from the show floor. Uh, we'll have a lot of stuff to show you guys. We'll talk more about that. Uh, next week our plans for that 
In the meantime, if you want to keep up with us, patreon.com slash the comics pals is the best way to support us, support what we do. If you enjoy our show, if you enjoy our vibe, the word of the day, um, then that is the best place to support us and get with us. Um, we appreciate everybody who chooses to do that. And we give you a whole host of uh, content up there um, for your support, which we are so appreciative of. Uh, watch this show live every single Saturday on youtube.com slash the comics pals at 10 15 a.m. Eastern Thursdays at 6 p.m. for pals pulls. Um, Matt and Pete, do you guys have anything that you want to plug? Socials, websites, anything? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on like 1500 different social media places, <laughs> uh, including. <laughs> Twitter and or X until it explodes uh, as at PAC PAC illustration. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm everywhere. Uh, Blue sky, Twitter, X, Instagram, Friendster, MySpace, uh, match.com, Tinder, uh, same <laughs> username everywhere. It's Mattman begins. Um, so please follow me to see what we got going on pete and i have some fun stuff coming up not only just bardic versus related but we've worked on other stuff that we have coming out what a couple months yep cool. oh and also you can look up somebody by their tinder handle so you might have just ended <laughs> uh, i don't i don't think my tinder handle is actually <laughs> Batman <laughs> begins but uh, i am on tinder so keep a lookout ladies yeah <laughs> We're gonna have to get the dating pals together. We got some <laughs> some, some single people looking. Um, it's just that the one. lower the lower part of this podcast is me <laughs> and Sean are out. Yeah, we we're <laughs> we're out. We're not on the market. Um, Pete, can people still get a uh, a business card from you? Those were awesome. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, go to my website packillustration.com. Um, I'm still doing commissions for. Uh, for the 90s X-Men style trading cards. I actually have a few things uh, coming down the pipeline in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to offer a couple of other um, other styles. Um, I'm going uh, Series 1 and Series 2 Marvel as well. And um, Pokemon. What? Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. All right. Yeah, if no, for real. Like... <sighs> I have a handful of them right here. I was just trying to uh, reference to get my my template right. Have so to, uh, cool. scrape some credit card debt off the uh, off the pile here. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I already did one for uh, for Jeremiah es, uh, Espinoza, so he's got a um, a Kickstarter too, which you should check out. It's called One Shot. Um, need some love. Yeah, it's similar to to Bardic Versus, very kind of uh, along the same fantasy vein, but. Highly recommend. Yeah, one yeah. shot. Yeah, awesome. for sure. I think uh, I saw that on your social one, page, actually. One shot wonders, or just it's one just shot. one one shot. One dash shot. Um, perfect. And then uh, I guess our plugs, Kale. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me on Instagram only. And boy, that is scary. Oh, it's almost done. At Toto in Toe, that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at Kelward.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. You can follow me at Mr. Mark Onomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, go bother Kale at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. 
Uh, you could follow Kale on Instagram at T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. <laughs> uh, and you can follow me at the Tyler Olson on Instagram, Twitter, X, TikTok, YouTube. No, don't, don't go my YouTube. There's some college films on there that I don't. I, I should private soon. Um, but no, they're not good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I want to see that. Uh, uh, and then, uh, yeah. Just talk to me about stuff. Baldur's Gate. I'm I'm hooked, guys. I'm on my third play, concurrent playthrough. Like, just let me know what you're doing. Third concurrent? I got, I got, I got, technically I have four campaigns running at the same time. Oh, oh my gosh. Jesus Christ. Yeah. For I anyone who's over 100 hours played. That's, for anyone who's wondering wow. where the TikToks went. <laughs> Tyler's been playing. You're not Tyler's wrong. been Baldur's Gate. You're not wrong. Uh, as for me, tw- uh, X and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox wrestling. That's all that's on my mind right now. Wrestling. Interesting time. Very, yeah. very interesting time. And we could just as easily turn this into a wrestling podcast, which tells me it's time to jump. Thank you <laughs> to the Bardic Verses, Matt Sumo and Pete Collins. Thank you for listening. Thank you to the rest of the Comics Pals. We love you. We thank you. Until next time, take care, guys. See you next week.